This is the Ridgeline Leadership Podcast, episode number one. Here we go. Welcome to the Ridgeline Leadership Podcast, the podcast that empowers aspiring leaders to identify, connect to, and advance on the path of leadership. I am your host, Blake Bear, and I'm here with my co-host, Peter Hainsworth. What is up, guys? It is good to be here. So glad you could join us today. Um, today, so on our conversation around leadership, we want to talk today about our backstories, how we got to where we are today, and kind of the path we're still on in our growth. Yeah, um, It's not always about just arriving. We, we don't believe that we just arrive at a point, um, but there are crucial points in our lives that we can point back on and say we're turning points or cornerstones within our path of leadership. Yeah. But before we jump into all that, I really think it's good for us to define what leadership is to us, how we would classify it or how we would define it. Um, and so Blake, why don't you, why don't you first off, go ahead and jump into that. Tell me a little bit more about what your definition of leadership would be. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think, I think there are a lot of things that play into this idea of leadership, even, even so much. And we're not talking about fixed versus growth mindset today as much, but it's hard not to, when you're talking about leadership. Absolutely. Um, so I think that there are a lot of fixed beliefs on what leadership is. So sometimes it's easier for me to define what something is by clarifying what it is not or what I believed at for so much of my life that it was. For sure, right? yeah. So I remember believing that um, from the outside looking in, anytime I saw a leader, they were being followed. So I see someone afar, people are flocking to them, they're charismatic, their personality is contagious. So it was so easy for me to define value and what leadership was by how somebody was being followed or the fact that they were being followed. So like so many other people, the way I defined it was that a leader is someone who is followed. And I don't think a leader's mindset needs to be, I'm supposed to be followed, right? Right. Absolutely. So it's a, I would always try to get to places of leadership or to significance or to uh, someone who stands out in the crowd by am I being followed and how do I get followed? And even today you know, on social media, it's all about being followed, but that's not true leadership. True leadership is not, um, I'm being followed and I need my followers this. I No, it's about serving your followers. It's about saying, I'm going to go after this vision and I'm going to lead people because it takes a team to get to any vision. I'm going to lead people and serve them so well that the vision and the outcome is just, it's there. So I think leadership is empowering. It's, it's helping people overcome things in their life that are holding them back from growth. And so to me, leadership isn't so much being followed like I believed it was, but it's way more about um, empowering others. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. One of the things that I struggle with for a long time is that um, I said this earlier too, doing is leading. That was my mindset for years. 
was that as a leader, I was the one doing the big things or the hard things. I'm the one taking care of those. And that naturally places me in a leadership position. Uh, The reality is that a lot of times does, but that's not leadership. Leadership is developing the people that you're working with so that they can grow to those places where they can be doing those hard things. They can be making the difficult decisions. So are you saying by doing, you mean like if people were taking, like you, you were saying, if I was taking action, I'm being a leader. Absolutely. So it didn't matter what the action was. Not in the slightest. Yeah. So it was just like, there's a problem. Here's what I'm going to do. And you just were the first person to take action. Therefore you were the leader because you were the first. Oh yeah. I was the master rescuer. Ah, So you're like the first defines leadership. Correct. Whereas for me, it. it was, uh, what if I was followed, you were a leader or if I had people believe what I believed, you know, I was a leader. Even to build on that more than just the first, but the one who had the solution. Mm. A lot of times I was the one who had the solution within whatever the problem was. So for me, I defined fixing it Mm. as the leadership, which is not true. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, I think, uh, And maybe this is EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System with Traction, and and I don't remember if it was in there or where it is. I know we say this a lot to our team, but um, we want to become the right person doing the right thing, the right time, the right way. I think I did that backwards. But anyway, the whole point is like it takes all of those different factors to be a good leader. It takes being a right person character-wise. It takes doing the right thing. So it isn't just being the first. No, not at all. It's doing the right thing the right time, and and then again, the time part, and then the right way, yep. right? So it's it takes so much in that to be a good leader. It's not just those one factors. Right, and even when you say not the first, I would say that's that's kind of characteristic of a good leader is they're not the first. Mm. They're more often than not the ones in the back. Um, and you hear the concept leading from, from the back or leading mm-hmm. from reverse, whatever that may be. Um, but um, I believe that's true. If you look at a lot of organizational structures, you have your leaders at the top and kind of work your way down from there. And I almost wonder if we need to flip that model upside down because the people who are customer facing or, or in the field, they're doing the work. They're the whole reason that that organization exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're the only way that that organization can exist. Um, as, as a person in leadership, the company can exist without me, right? Um, because there are technicians who are able to install whatever devices they're putting in or the product that they're working on, those things can go on and continue. So if we flip that model upside down and we see that now the leaders are the ones at the bottom, they're there supporting, right? They're the ones that are actually, um, they're taking on more so that the people in the field can do their work and lead them that way. Um, It kind of brings a, a humility to it and puts us from that first mentality. I'm the first one to be there. I'm the first one to fix the problem. I'm, I'm the first one with the, the real solution to I'm now there for others mm. that I believe. I feel that's, that's leadership. Yeah, no, that's good. I, I think another aspect of this and this concept semi came from the idea of uh, the book, the motive by Patrick Lencioni, really good one. Um, but it is, I, th- I think honestly, we think as that leadership is the reward for hard work. And that's why a lot of times we see this reward based, um, this reward based like positional authority being, well, I'm the leader. You need to listen to me. Like I shouldn't have to do all these things. I shouldn't have to work hard. Like 
I am where I am and it's the reward. I should be doing less. You should be doing more for me. Right. And reward based like CEOs, reward based leaders, they, they flare up and, and then putter out is the reality. Oh, yeah. And the, the real R word, if you will, that leadership is about is not reward. It's responsibility. And what you talked about, about that um, from the bottom up leadership, it is, it's how much responsibility are you willing to take? How much, how much pain are you willing to take? How much tension, how much trouble are you willing to take? Because as we grow in leadership, like even from an employer perspective, what I'm paying for, for when I'm paying for a leader and I'm, I'm paying them more is I'm paying for their ability to handle trouble. I'm Absolutely. a pain for their ability to handle tension. I'm not trying to look for people who want rewards. Like if all you want is the reward, then just get the dollar. But don't take on the responsibility and everything because if that's your perspective of leadership, you're going to do the worst thing you could possibly do to your followers, and that's destroy them. Absolutely. It's going to and give them a bad perspective of what leadership is. And then we have so many people that I hate it. I believe so many people are not taking that next level of leadership because they're seeing a bad perspective of leadership. They're seeing these people in these roles of leadership and they're like, what an asshole. I don't want to be that guy. That guy only cares about himself. And a lot of times if it's a me based reward based leadership, you're damn right. They do because it's all me, me, me. And so those people who are, a responsibility-based leadership are a we, not me culture. That's what they are. And they care so much about the team that they understand that their position, and yeah, they get paid more, sure, but they understand that they're getting paid to serve and take care and foster the growth of the entire team. That's what we need. Absolutely. You said something that sparked a a thought in my mind. You said, um, excuse me, that... uh, they'll do the opposite of this, which is what they'll destroy the team. Mm. Talk about that for a second. What does that look like when you say that? Cause I think it's really a good, it's, it's something we need to talk about. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So this is probably honestly the best time for me to kind of go into my story. Oh, that's <laughs> Honestly, because it's a great segue there, Peter. Um, I'm here for you, man. Thanks dude. So I would say I got to experience this firsthand, especially like when I, it was probably eight to 10 years ago. Um, I was at another company basically running all their operations uh, field and everything like that. And I was just starting to get the bug and the itch of leadership, not being this fixed mindset thing. And I do want to clarify, I think that the whole fixed mindset type of thing is that we believe that there are just like, you're either born a leader or you're not. You either have the ability to take on tension or you don't instead of this idea that everything is growable everything uh, when it comes to being a leader you can you can grow into that that's something you can develop Um, it may not be easy but it doesn't mean it's not possible so I was at a point where I believed like you were either this or you weren't, and you had to discover if you were. And so then when I defined leadership as being followed, I just ended up hurting a ton of people because why aren't these people following me? They should just agree with my positional uh, leadership because if I'm in this position, you better believe me and trust me. And I, I hurt a lot of people on the way. 
And it wasn't until I started saying, like, what if, what if I just saw it from their perspective? What if I started developing empathy for people? Uh, I wonder how leadership could change and how I could um, not manipulate people to do what I wanted, but empower them to do what needed to be done. Right. And there's a big difference. There's a huge difference. So um, as I'm running this, this company in a lot of ways, I'm all of a sudden seeing some of the worst culture by those that were positional leaders um, in my life. And I keep saying the word positional because, um, and I believe this is in the, is it the five levels of leadership? Yeah, it is. Five levels of leadership. One of the levels of leadership. And who is that? I can't remember. I'm looking it up right now, actually. Okay. Give me one second. No, right on. Uh, but one of the levels of leadership is positional. And it is the idea that um, people should follow you because you have a certain rank or right. And not that that doesn't hold cloud at times, but it isn't the, it, it shouldn't be the main way that people gain respect and growth. Um, and so I think this is, um, who is it by the way? Uh, John Maxwell. John, of course. How, how do you forget Maxwell? Right. Everybody who is a leader already heard that and said, oh my gosh, we're not listening to this podcast. I know there's, they don't know John guys. Maxwell. <laughs> but anyway, as, as we're, um, going through this and I'm seeing my leaders only be positional leaders and I'm starting to transform, right? I'm starting to go and I, I love this. I don't know. Uh, you've probably heard me say this a million and a half times, but the word transform is so powerful because it has the breakdown of the word trans and the next word that is form. Okay. So the word trans means beyond, like think like transcontinental and transport. You're going, yeah, you know, absolutely. So there's that beyond, right? The word form means form, nothing special there, right? So really, realistically, we are going to the form beyond. Like that's the idea oh, of so transform. Cool. So I'm going through all these transforming times, not I, I didn't just transform. It took a process. And so as I'm going through this process and seeing that, Leadership is more about serving. It's more about growing others. It's more about helping them do the things that they absolutely can do. Um, I started feeling that cognitive dissonance, that difference between what I started to believe was true and what I was seeing in this organization. And so it got to a point that, I mean, it was, I probably won't go into it too much now, but it was to a point that, um, things were so toxic at this environment that we were just like, like my, my wife, Lindsay, she was like, all right, Blake, you're out, you're done. Jump off this wow. ship. It's sinking. You know it. We've, and, and she came to that point. We ended up staying probably another six months because I didn't want to pull the trigger too quick or, right. you know, I was terrified. Let's just be straight I totally up. I think, that. I think you got to be candid to be a good leader first off. So just candidly, I was scared shitless. And so the idea of jumping off uh, a sinking ship, yes, the sinking ship is terrifying, but the water is terrifying too. And you're jumping oh, yeah. off into unknown water right um so it's it was just one of those things that when we finally decided it and said okay let's go start our own company let's go let's go do it differently let's treat people 
not like raw materials. You want to talk about a leadership point right there is that people aren't raw material to do your bidding. No. People are part of the product. Whatever you have, it takes the people. They are the most significant part of that Absolutely. product. And so as I started going down that route, that's when my whole leadership mindset started saying, what if everything I believe, what if um, I've maybe believed leadership wrong? Um, what, what, if, what if I've got it wrong? What if I need to start really chewing on this mm-hmm. and seeing if something else, uh, if I spit it out, what it looks like, right? right? There's something better there. Yeah. And so honestly, um, in the past five, six years, my, my whole life has just been, it's a, I need to unlearn a lot of what leadership is. I need to be okay to understand that like it's okay to not know or not be okay. It's okay to not know. It's okay to not have a un- full understanding on what leadership is, but it's not okay for me to just say it is, you know, or right. that's what it is, what it is. No, yeah. it's not, it's not okay. I need to start questioning and developing what I believe leadership is. And it is a, uh, it's like a living document in my mind of what leadership is. It's, now, there are things it's clearly not. I'm not making it so relative that it's like the clouds are leadership and this wall, right. it's leadership. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that it's a constantly transforming thing because there are just other variables that keep coming into it that I had no clue. I had absolutely no clue were a part of it. Yeah. So I think that I, I know that was a really long winded way to get there. Um that's semi part of my story. I'm sure this is going to more stories are going to keep coming out, but it's, it's real easy to know that where I was, was believing that you were either just born a leader or you weren't, you know? And then the big significant aha moment was just that leadership wasn't just being uh, followed, but it was leading and training people. And it wasn't just about positional leadership. And now today I just feel that because I'm walking in leadership, it's one of the most significant things in my life, whether I'm doing it as a husband, whether I'm doing it as a father, which I've got four kids. So there's a lot of there's having the lead, there. having oh, yeah. the lead, right? Um, and getting to lead, really. And, and I think that's the other transition is I really enjoy it because when you see your empowerment of that person, like helping them to come to the next level and you see them do the things they can do, there is nothing better. Like, no joke, I was talking to someone uh, this week who was having some, like, issues helping someone lead um, and was having some issues with this person uh, who was underneath them organizationally, okay? Uh, So even positionally there. And I said to this person, I said, you know, um, it's possible you might be looking at this situation and scenario wrong. And they were like, what do you mean? And I said, well... You know, I, um, I used to play basketball. I loved it. I loved playing basketball. I would get up stupid early, play basketball. I mean, I wasn't like, I was so progressively average. Like it was, (laughs) it was silly, but I would, I would get up and I would play nonstop practice. I I was a whole, like being from an Indiana, like that's, that's heritage. Yeah. You're a Hoosier. Exactly. You wake up. You go do the Larry Bird shoot 500 free throws or whatever oh every morning. You can't miss. And I usually would get to like seven. but Seven misses or seven in total? 
Yeah, let's just say seven. Seven okay, sounds cool. Good. That works. So, um, and, and I played some basketball, and it was good, and I enjoyed it, and I loved it. But now my kids, my daughters, are playing basketball. And it's really neat because I feel so much more significant. I feel so much more joy in watching the things that my kids and I practice together, them implement in a game. And it's like it almost brings you to tears. It's so wild. Like to see one of my kids steal a pass who she's like seven or I I guess she's almost eight now, uh, steal a pass, run down the court and shoot a layup for the first time hits the backboard goes in and it's just like oh man that moment yeah you're crying and like that's why i just don't i never got soccer moms until that moment right oh then yeah. i was like oh my gosh i need to go get a minivan and we're gonna just do all the things <laughs> and we're gonna be extra today uh, you know like it gets it got so amazing but that's what i told him and he knew exactly what i was talking about he has kids himself and he was just like I never thought of it that way. And there is such an element um, both of leading people in an organization and leading people in your, or leading your family is just that it's the leading. It's not that you're parenting. And so many people have such a stigma against parenting anyway. Right. Um, and they don't want to do it when I go to work. Right. Yeah. But the thing is, is parenting is just a form of leadership. That's all it is. It's just leadership with another name on it. Absolutely. So, like you can say, so what, I got to be a parent to them. You got to be a leader. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of kids today, a lot of um, men and women joining the workforce today. Yeah. They need lead. They call it parenting. I don't care. But if parenting helps you understand the bigger picture of connection and significance and why it's important, then yeah, call it parenting, but it's, it's leading, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, I just went on a really long-witted rant, so thanks for uh, humoring me there. Totally good, man. And let me take you down my soccer mom story. But I love um, it. <laughs> but so tell me, you know, you've been with our team for two years now, um, and we got to know each other within that time, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. it was like we met each other at a coffee house, and uh, I left that coffee house, called my other partners, and said, hey – I just met our next director of operations, but don't worry. It'll be about a year That's before right. we bring them on. And you went home. I talked to my wife and I told her, I just met the guy I'm going to work for yeah. and I don't care what it takes. I don't oh, care if I silly. have to go through hell and back. I'm working for him as soon as possible. Oh, you're silly. Uh, but it, it's so funny that we both had that moment and then very quickly met for coffee again. And then within like two weeks, oh, you yeah, were on the team quick. and it was, it was awesome. But, um, so I don't know a whole lot of your backstory up to that point and yeah. what leadership meant for you and how you got there. So I guess I'm kind of like, this is kind of fun for me sitting in this seat here is that I get to hear kind of your backstory of what you believed leadership was that significant moment of change. And then, you know, where you are today with it. So, yeah. can you so speak to, that? to go back, um, I actually have to go back to kind of my childhood to explain some things on my perspective of leadership. Isn't that always the case? It is. It you really always is. have to go back to childhood. I've got to go back like 30 years. I can't believe yeah. I have to say that out loud, but yeah. I know, right? Um, so I grew up in a family of six kids, Ooh. five of us boys. I'm the second oldest. Um, and my parents from, from, I would say, the moment we could really communicate with other people, uh, began teaching us that we're leaders. 
Mm. Um, not what it was about, but that we are leaders. Um, and then they started really trying to show us what that looked like. And I, 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 I don't agree with all of the things that we were taught, but man, I cannot applaud them enough for the effort that they put into this and really that they poured into our lives. Absolutely. Mm. Um, the one thing that they taught us was that whole concept that we talked about earlier, leadership is doing, right? So we did a lot of things. Mm. We were at every church move, every family that needed help. We yeah. showed up on the doorstep. We were the first ones there. We're the first ones in the moving truck. There was one point in our lives where we were known as the movers. The our, movers. Oh, we were the movers. Every move, you call the Hainsworths because there's six of them. <laughs> you know, five boys and a dad, and right. all of us know how to work our asses off. Five boys. Oh yeah, man, it was it was rough. <laughs> it was rough. Your poor mama. Oh yeah, she she's very jaded at this point by any injuries or anything like oh, that. Man, so yeah, unless it's like protruding bone or like severed yeah. limb, it doesn't really matter. Just put some duct tape on it. Yeah, we'll suck fine. it up, Buttercup. Get going. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um. So that that formed in my early years my concept of leadership. Um, and I began at a very young age to think that I was a leader um, and that I had arrived at that point. Ooh, it's that's really good. really super dangerous because when you feel that you've arrived at a point of leadership, you're not. You're absolutely the worst place you could be to lead others um, because you have no open mind for perspective. You have no um, concept of, of group ideas and how ideas come together and how those things work out. Uh, you feel that this responsibility is 100% on you and you feel the pressure that's not really there. Mm. Um, and then you look back on it years later, I realized I was the only person thinking I was the leader. Ah. No one else was actually following me, but I felt like I was really <laughs> the leader in those situations. And that led me into my adult life um, as I was put into positions of leadership Um during my college um, my college life and then afterwards I stayed on at the, at the college I was at yeah. um, as a leader there I was in a position of leadership mm -hmm. um, and I as I look back now I see the the beginning of the framework of development we had talked about you know doing his leadership and that's that was my mindset I believe development is leadership and we've talked about that's this um, but I see there was a point at which I, I saw a flaw in the way the previous leadership had, um, had really led the people that they were that the, uh, of their team. Okay. Um, we were on different teams traveling around the country. Um, yeah. And within that team, each person had very specific responsibilities. Um, and the flaw that I saw was those responsibilities were always given to the exact same person. And this was the beginning, I would say, the very, the very glimmer of that change for me. And I just saw an opportunity to give each person a different chance. Say, you know what? You're doing this responsibility this week. Next week, you're going to do a different one. Because I don't know what you can do in that. Yeah. And you don't know what you can do in that. Yeah. And that Instead was really, of just giving it to the one person because that's yeah. the easiest thing to exactly. do. Exactly. Right? It was the least amount of resistance. Yes. Mm -hmm. The known problem or the known fear is always worse or always better rather than the unknown. Yeah. Right. And that was, that was the mentality was, well, I don't know if this person can do it. So I might as well just give it to the person who knows what they're doing, or yeah. at least I know that they know 20% of it. Right. So that started that transition for me. Um, and I didn't really get, I didn't really work on it after that. Yeah. It was always in the back of my mind that that was kind of one of those little tools that I like to use to switch things mm -hmm. up and find better uh, better ways for people to uh, to be able to accomplish their tasks or or accomplish their roles was to switch those things up, and we did see 
um, the, the first year I did that on the team, we saw a massive success mm. um, in the way that these uh, the, the teams were accomplishing their goals. It, it drastically changed everything. Um, so I moved forward with that, but I never really took it past that point for several years. Um, after that, I went to a couple different companies, um, really not good culture at all. Mm -hmm. Um, very, very much, um, leader is first mentality, which reinforced that problem. You know, that, that wrong view that I had in my mind of the reward is the position, um, and really reinforced that to the point where, uh, the company I was at previous to, to ours here for our team, um, at Ridgeline was, um, I was doing almost everything. Mm. Um, I was overseeing all the day-to-day -day operations. I was doing the day-to-day the -day finances within the books, as well as making the financial decisions. Mm. I was hiring, I was firing. Um, I was working on strategic, uh, plans for the future. I was, um, creating manuals. I was creating processes. I was literally doing everything. And I felt in that moment, yeah. I'm being the leader. And because I'm doing all these things yeah. and I'm bringing these people along, the reality was the only thing I was doing uh, was burning myself out, right? Um, and not being, um, not being the the leader that I needed to be for that organization. And I know I held that organization back mm. because everything rested on me. Right. Now, I I put some of the the um, the responsibility for that on some of the other people as well because there was some discussions about do we bring other people on. Um, and that was shot down frequently because, well, Peter's doing it. So why not just keep him doing it? Right. We're paying him. <laughs> Absolutely. We're yeah. paying him. Might as well do it. So yeah, exactly. Um, and then right around the two year market, that uh, that position, um, they they approached me about um, a leadership position that would require a significant amount of travel. Um, like three weeks out of a month kind of travel, which is just Yucky. insane. I've got three kids at home. Sure. Um, one of them was just born not long before this conversation. And I, I want to be a part of my family's life. I want right. to be that leader in the home. Yeah. Um, and I, I just told him, I said, look, I, I can do this, but there's going to have to be some changes. And the end of the conversation was, I don't anticipate any changes. I just expect you to take it. Yeah. That's good leadership. right? It there. was, it was great, great yeah. uh, positional leadership mm -hmm. um, and really didn't show me anything of value for continuing growth at all. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was for me, the big moment, um, the change in my life of, okay, what I'm doing is not working. Yeah. There is a flaw here. There's a problem here. I don't know how to fix it, but I know it's not working. Mm. So, uh, fast forward about nine months, I sit down in a coffee shop. I'm training somebody, um, to take <laughs> over the books for me, finally oh, getting to that man. position. Um, because you know, I have to, I don't have much of a choice. Yeah. Um, I'm about a month away from my first trip and, um, the, the owner of the coffee shop introduces me to Blake. We have our conversation. We call our, uh, uh, he calls his partners. I call my wife and I talk to him about that. And then um, I was able to come on very quickly. And that was when I would say that that spark, that that spark several years, ba years back really got fanned. The flames started growing from that point. And the realization too, that I can grow within where I'm at. I'm not stuck with the intellect that I have. I'm not stuck with the knowledge that I have. Um, what was that spark though? Like what was really, what was different about it that caused a spark because you were doing yeah. a lot of the same things, right? Absolutely. So what was it that actually sparked it? Uh, you told me, Hey, I think you should read the book traction. 
Yeah, and uh, which I do. I believe ironic. everyone should read the book tra- Traction if yeah. you're in leadership or organizational structure. It's just so good. Absolutely. Gino Wickman has a way of of really clarifying mm-hmm. a lot of the things around leadership and how organizations in general, I'm not talking just business, I mean organizations in general, right. should operate. And that was the start. Yeah. That was the moment that whether it was something within the book or just the concept of reading and development, mm-hmm. I don't even honestly remember, but I do remember sitting in my truck, listening to this po- this, this book on audible, because I don't, I can't sit down and read. I'm not a, I, like, I just don't do it. And, and for all of you listening today, uh, and all of you, if you follow the Enneagram, all of you Enneagram ones. Okay. I just, and I know you're an Enneagram one. I'm I just your boy. need to tell you. Okay. It's okay. It counts. It counts as a check mark for reading a book. It okay? absolutely does. Because whether you look at it or hear it, if you gain the knowledge that's the purpose of the book, or if you enjoy it because it's entertainment, that's the purpose of the book. Okay? You're so right. And that was such a hurdle for me at first. I know. It really was. <laughs> you even I think you even told me like several times, hey man, just listen to it on Audible. Yeah. And I was like, no, that doesn't count. It does it's not count. reading a book. Yeah. Um, you know, okay, so kind of going back real quick yeah. to your family structure, I thought I think there's something really significant that I I don't know that I've ever been able to think and put into words before, but that you talked about like believing you had arrived at leadership. Mm-hmm. That's a very fixed mindset thing. Oh, 100%. and it's because it's like it's it's believing that, like because if you're there, it's finished. Leadership, therefore, is finished. Right. So, like, think about it like a trip to Disney World. If we're going to Disney World, at some point, we're done. We're there. We're no longer going to Disney World. That's the fixed mindset of leadership is that leadership just is or it is a finished product. Right. But it is the thing that's more true about leadership is that it's continual. It's it's a thing that continues to progress throughout your life. And that leadership looks so different through different stages and different steps. And what worked at one point in time doesn't work at this point in time, right? Um, So there is... It's just so interesting to me. Um, but you, you also mentioned something else that kind of like, I'm such a big culture guy. You know that about me. Oh yeah. Um, I, and, and I don't believe in culture in the sense of it's some cute business bullshit word we throw up on a wall somewhere and we're like, look at our culture. Right. Like that's not it. Okay. But, um, how or in what ways do you think culture affects leaders or good leaders even wow um the culture of an organization whether it be family business church whatever it may be is absolutely crucial it it 100 affects how that person perceives themselves um as a leader because if the culture says um and whether we like it or not every organization i just want to say this too every organization has a culture yeah whether it's predefined and worked on and created, or if it's a, a result of the people within the organization because it's not been worked on and predefined and created. Um, if that culture says that a leader arrives, then every person within an organization is going to work towards that arrival. Mm. And when they reach that arrival, they're going to be so disappointed 
they're going to feel this lack of fulfillment because the thing that we're reaching for is never as good as what we think it's going to be. If we think it's an item or a, in a destination, like um, for me, I love the idea of trips. Mm. I love it, man. Yeah. Um, I look forward to like these milestones in my life. You know, yeah. one milestone is going to be Christmas. I love Christmas, mm. but I love the idea of Christmas way more than the actual day. Oh, amen. The day sucks. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's good. What's well, like, yeah, it's good. Good to see the kids open their presents. Okay. Yeah. I see and that. You see that yeah. look on their face when it's, they open that present good. you spent so much money on and you, you see them throw that present down that they used and spent so much hits. money then on then and then you're like, hits. oh yeah. Well, but shit. I agree. Like the. The anticipation is yeah. so enjoyable. It is. Hmm. And as we anticipate this, this leadership growth, right? If we're looking at this as being an end destination, because that's what the culture tells us. The culture says, when you hit CEO, man, you've hit it. Yeah. And you're done. And that's it. You are it. You are the shit, yeah. right? Then our mentality is, I don't care what it takes. I'm going to get there. So now you have a lack of we, and it's all about me. Yeah. It's about me reaching for that top position, whatever it is. Yeah. But then it also can be very discouraging because then you also have this mindset that, well, I can only go so far. Yeah. Um, and this is something I even, I've been very candid with Blake about this. When I first started here, one of my limiting beliefs about myself is one, at what point will I top out? Yeah. And that was a terrifying thing for me for the longest time of I'm going to hit the ceiling at some point. Yeah. There's going to be a point at which the organization is going to grow past their need for me. Mm. And that's when you have that mindset, it's terrifying. Oh, it's yeah. It's motivating in all the wrong ways. Right. <laughs> um, and changing my mindset to, I don't, I am not limited mm -hmm. to my current knowledge. I'm not limited to my intellect. I'm not limited to my abilities right now. Mm. I am only limited in the sense that I limit myself. Sure. Oh, that's good. Uh, that's really good, man. Um, I think of, I think of culture and I, and I think it's important. We br we're bringing this word up. We're making it sound like it's this, uh, living animal. And I think what's important here too, um, because again, culture is not a wall. Culture is not this, you know, pen in my hand or whatever. Right. Like culture is the environment that supports or destroys growth and thriving, right? 100%. So is it alive? Sure. But in the sense of like a tree is alive, right? right? But it is not like this animal that's out to get you. It's, it's a thing that we create and it's, it's what we do to ourselves. So yeah, you go into an environment and you cut down all the trees, you're going to lose out on oxygen, yeah, that's a consequence of having a horrible culture and doing something that destroys the environment. But it isn't so much like the animal, right? It isn't right. this, it isn't a person or whatever, but it is It is the environment for growth and thriving. Yeah. So I, I think it's important as we talk through these things that we identify that because you're right. Culture is absolutely going to affect everything else because it is the environment. Yes. How how is a leader grow to be a leader? Well, they can't only be getting constant tension and constant death all around them because your mindset is going to be affected by those things. You can walk into a room and you can just feel a presence of what the people are feeling or going through. Absolutely. And I could walk into a room and know if there was a hard conversation that was just had just by body language yes. right there. That's, that's the environment. And so 
when you have that constantly around you, of course, you're going to have bad leaders. Of course, you're going to have leaders who top out and think everything is fixed and think that like there's no reason for me to go on because we've given such a bad environment. So, um, no, that's, that's really good, man. Well, um, yeah, is there anything else you want to say? Are there any resources you'd like to give our listeners that you think has been significant in your life for seeing what it is to become a leader and what a leader is? Yeah, absolutely. So there's three I've got off the top of my head. Um, one of them is going to be, um, we've already kind of talk, talked about is traction. Mm. Um, traction is by Gino Wickman. It is a fantastic book for organizations and for leaders. Um, and one of the things that, that is not brought out so much in the book, um, but if you talk to anybody who has gone through their implementation process, they will tell you too, traction can be used in your home. You can mm. adjust it to be used in your home Yep. Um, because it talks about accountability. It talks about responsibility. It talks about um, being candid. Um, and all of the things that you would normally consider to be a part of a good organization as in a business can all be translated into your home and, and just being a leader, mm. um, right? Um, another one here, um, and then Blake, I'll let you give a couple too. Uh, another one that uh, I really, I really think is a, is a, such a, a strong one is the coaching habit uh, by, by Michael Bungay Stainer. I'm sure I butchered his name. I'm sorry. Wow, you did him no justice. <laughs> Do your really research, did. man. I know, man. I'm I'm struggling with that, but um, I, suffice to say, I'm on my second time through the book. Um, I finished it yesterday afternoon and immediately hit the restart button. Um, because it's so, it is so good. And it's about the habit of being a leader because a leader is not someone who's doing, remember a leader is developing, um, and development is through coaching. I believe that. Mm. Um, and then the third one, we've talked a lot about mindset today. Yeah. Really talked about mindset fix versus growth. A really good resource for that is mindset by Carol Dweck. Um, she oh, that's is a good one. phenomenal that's in explaining really this. Oh yeah. It's, it is eye opening. Um, and that's where you'll start seeing a lot more of the scientific uh, evidence behind you are not limited by your current intellect or your current knowledge. Um, and she really goes into ways to change that and how to work through those things. So I would say those are some th really good resources. Um, I think, Blake, there may be a couple others, too, that you've got on the top of your head there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So one of them for me is um, understanding the concept of uh, – kind of those different points of what a, we believed a leader to be. Uh, so I would say, you know, we mentioned it a couple of times, but the five levels of leadership yeah, by absolutely. John Maxwell. There we go. Right, John Maxwell. The uh, gold standard the of leadership. The gold right? standard. <laughs> but he, he just lays it out really, like he gives good words to it, whether these levels are real levels or not. He, he really branches everything down into those. And, and I really enjoy that kind of systematic approach, but also just giving good words to it. Uh, I'm also a uh, huge Simon Sinek fan. I'm a fangirl Simon Sinek fan. That's awesome. I'm not going to show you my tramp stamp tattoo. Please don't. But it might be his fate. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, it's my not. gosh. But anyway, he wrote a book called Leaders Eat Last. And oh, such a good book. Oh, it's fantastic. And it just, like, catches you with good story, but then shows how those things all work together. Um, yeah, it's unbelievable. And honestly, like there are so many books out there. Um, I would say that as much as you dig into um, 
leadership, you dig into mindset. I think one of the most neglected parts of leadership is is our emotional health and our mental health. Oh, yeah. And so I think it's really crucial um, to be getting help, okay? Because leaders, the most, the best leaders I know are the ones who have zero problem with telling you, oh, I go, yeah, I go get therapy. Yeah, I, I have a business coach. I have a, and I do, same here. Oh, absolutely. I have those same. because I need those because there is so much in emotional and mental work to be done in leadership mm-hmm. that you can't do by yourself. And I don't remember who said this. Some philosopher said, and I'm going to butcher this, but I'm going to go for it because here we go. Um, but you can't both be in a system and understand the system at the same time. Oh, that's so good. You can't. You can't. You can't be both super deep and understand it. You have to get outside it. And the, one of the best ways uh, that you do that is you get a coach. You you get a, someone to give you therapy and to help you think through these things. Um, and I've, I'm telling you, the ways we have grown as a company, the ways we have grown uh, as an just or myself as a family, the ways we've done that is by by finding those people to come alongside us to see the things that we just can't see. And I, I always talk about the significance of of this um, and, and coaching, really, of it's like you've learned to swim with the sharks. You've learned it, okay? You have spent years and years swimming with the sharks and figuring out the do's and the don'ts and the uh, whether a shark is aggressive or not aggressive. I, and I don't know. I'm making all this crap up here. But think <laughs> about analogy. it. You're, you're in the water and you know how to do that. But damn, it's sure nice having someone in the crow's nest looking out. Telling hey, you, you, got a shark, you got a shark coming. Yeah. Hey, 50 meters, 30 meters, 20 meters. Oh, and yeah. even if it's, hey, it just bit your arm. Like, that's good enough. <laughs> you it's know, like, know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You you want to know so you can prepare for it. Yeah, you got your arm bent. Yeah. Let's talk through this one. But it's somebody who's able to see it from an outside perspective. And even, um, you know, we talked about traction. Traction was so good for us to read individually, and it helped mm-hmm. me with leadership. It's helped you with leadership. But one of the most significant moments is when we hired an implementer who looked at it, who had studied traction oh, yeah. themselves, and they're seeing it from the outside looking in. And I'm giving a big shout-out to Jen Ramo, who is our implementer. She's a badass. She, she is rocks. absolutely what we've needed to grow as an organization. Oh, yeah. Um, but she she, um, she just was able to see things in a way we couldn't see them. Even it, And maybe there were ways that I could have seen if I was looking at somebody else's organization. Absolutely. But so I, I really do think it's important um, – and my resources I would give, honestly, outside of just go get a coach or go get um, therapy or talk to a counselor or something is um, the books by Brene Brown, like Rising Strong and stuff. Brene Brown just has such a good way of having an understanding empathy and um, how to do that in a corporate perspective, even just really good stuff. I've not actually read that book. Oh, it's fantastic. You should. Yeah, it's good. Oh, Notice I love hearing listen. you say that. I love hearing listen. you say that. Well done. Well done. Well, awesome. Well, I think that's it for this week. Um, next week, we will have episode two, and I believe we're talking about ideas. Yes, we right? are. Ideas and how leaders deal with ideas and much more that I don't want to give away right now. Yeah, don't. But 
Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. Again, this is the Ridgeline Leadership Podcast, and we will see you next week. Also, we'd like to thank our very own Luke Van Tress, a.k.a. Mr. Boxes, for our kick-ass original theme song. So